Hello, humans. Welcome to Power Report episode 12. I'm going to call this, I think this is 12. We are doing, uh, this is called, what is this? I'm joined with Bam and Caesar for debate coverage. And this is the designated survivor vice presidential debate. What up, what uh, up, y'all? Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah. So it's a town hall format. They are sitting uh, Walmart style behind the plexiglass, ready to take your shopping. Positive for COVID-19. We send our thoughts and prayers to them for the and complete recovery and for the recovery of everyone afflicted by the coronavirus. The two campaigns and the Commission on Presidential Debates have agreed to the ground rules for tonight. I'm here to enforce them on behalf of the millions of Americans. Oh, down? One note, no one in either campaign or at the Commission or anywhere else has been told in advance what topics I'll raise or what questions I'll ask. This 90-minute debate will be divided okay, down into Brazil. segments of about 10 minutes each. I'll begin a segment by posing a question Yo. to each of you. Sometimes the same question, sometimes a different question on the same topic. You will then have two minutes to answer without interruption by me or the other candidate. Then we'll take six minutes or so to discuss the issue. At that point, although there will always be more to say, we'll move on to the next topic. We want a debate that is lively, but Americans also deserve a discussion that is civil. These are tumultuous times, but we can and will have a respectful exchange about the big issues facing our nation. Let's begin with the ongoing pandemic that has cost our country so much. Senator Harris, the coronavirus is not under control. Over the past week, Johns Hopkins reports that 39 states have had more COVID cases over the past seven days than in the week before. Nine states have set new records. Even if a vaccine is released soon, the next administration will face hard choices. What would a Biden administration do in January and February that a Trump administration wouldn't do? Would you impose new lockdowns for businesses and schools and hotspots? A federal mandate to wear masks? You have two minutes to respond without interruption. Thank you, Susan. Well, the American people have witnessed what is the greatest failure of any presidential administration in the history of our country. And here are the facts. 210,000 shots dead fired to start in just the last several months. Over 7 million people who have contracted this disease. One in five businesses closed. We're looking at frontline workers who have been treated like sacrificial workers. We are looking at over 30 million people who in the last several months had to file for unemployment. And here's the thing. On January 28th, the vice president and the president were informed about the nature of this pandemic. They were informed that it's lethal in consequence, that it is airborne, that it will affect young people, and that it would be contracted because it is airborne. And they knew what was happening, and they didn't tell you. Can you imagine if you knew on January 28th, as opposed to March 13th, what they knew, what you might have done to prepare? They knew, and they covered it up. The president said it was a hoax. They minimized the seriousness of it. 
The president said, you're on one side of his ledger. If you wear a mask, you're on the other side of his ledger if you don't. And in spite of all of that, today they still don't have a plan. They still don't have a plan. Well, Joe Biden does. And our plan is about what we need to do around a national strategy for contact tracing, for testing, for administration of the vaccine, and making sure that it will be free for all. That is the plan that Joe Biden has and that I have, knowing that we have to get a hold of what has been going on, and we need to save our country. And Joe Biden is the best leader to do that. And frankly, this administration has forfeited Thank you, their right Harris. to reelection based Th on this. Thank you, Senator Harris. Vice President Pence, more than 210,000 Americans have died of COVID-19 since February. The U.S. death toll as a percentage of our population is higher than that of almost every other wealthy nation on Earth. For instance, our death rate is two and a half times that of Canada next door. You head the administration's coronavirus. Sam, you're on mute. Why is the U.S. death toll as a percentage of our population higher than that of almost every other wealthy country? And you have two minutes to respond without interruption. Susan, thank you. And I want to thank the commission and the University of Utah for hosting this event. And uh, Senator Harris, it's a privilege to be on the stage with you. And our nation has gone through a very challenging time this year. But I want the American people to know that from the very first day, President Donald Trump has put the health of America first. Before, there were more than five cases in the United States, all people who had returned from China. President Donald Trump did what no other American president had ever done, and that was he suspended all travel from China, the second largest economy in the world. Now, Senator Joe Biden opposed that decision. He said it was xenophobic and hysterical. But I can tell you, having led the White House Coronavirus Task Force, that that decision alone by President Trump bought us invaluable time to stand up the greatest national mobilization since World War II. And I believe it saved hundreds of thousands of American lives. Because with that time, we were able to reinvent testing. More than 115 million tests have been done to date. We were able to see to the delivery of Pence's reinventing history. So our doctors and nurses had the resources support they needed. And we began really before the month of February was art to develop a vaccine and to develop medicines and therapeutics that have been saving lives all along the way. And under President Trump's leadership, Operation Warp Speed, we believe we'll have literally tens of millions of doses of vaccine before the end of this year. The reality is when you look at the Biden plan, it reads an awful lot like what President Trump and I and our task force have been doing every step of the way. And quite frankly, when I look at their plan that talks about advancing testing, creating new PPE, developing a vaccine, um, it looks a little bit like plagiarism, which is something Joe Biden knows a little bit about. And I think the American people know that this is a president who has put the Thank health you, of America first and the American people, I believe with my heart, can be Thank proud of the sacrifices Pence. they have made. It saved Thank countless you, American Pence. lives. Senator Harris, would oh, you like to respond? Absolutely. Uh, whatever the vice president is claiming the administration has done, clearly it hasn't worked. When you're looking at over 210,000 dead bodies in our country, American lives that have been lost, families that are grieving that loss. And you know, the vice president is the head of the task force and knew on January 28th how serious this was. And then, thanks to Bob Woodward, 
We learned that they knew about it. And then when that was exposed, the vice president said, when asked, well, why didn't you all tell anybody? He said, because the president wanted people to remain calm. Well, let's get so to that. No, but Susan, I, this is important. Susan, I, I, and I, I want to add, but if, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I have to I'm speaking. Yeah, you so can have 15 I, I more wanna, seconds, and then we'll give the vice president a chance to So respond. I want to ask the American people, how calm were you when you were panicked about where you're going to get your next roll of toilet paper? How calm were you when your kids were sent home from school and you didn't know when they could go back? How calm Thank were you, you Thank when you, your Senator children Harris. couldn't see your parents because you were afraid they could kill them? Let's give Vice President Pence a chance to respond. Vice President Pence, you have one minute to respond. You know, there's not a day gone by that I haven't thought of every American family that's lost a loved one. And I want all of you to know that you'll always be in our hearts and in our prayers. But when you say what the American people have done over these last eight months, Herman that's a great disservice to the sacrifices the American people have made. The reality, if I may, if I may finish, Senator. The reality is, Dr. Fauci said, everything that he told the president in the Oval Office, the president told the American people. Now, President Trump, I will tell you, has boundless confidence in the American people, and he always spoke with confidence that we'd get through this together. But when you say it hasn't worked, when Dr. Fauci and Dr. Birx and our medical experts came to us in the second week of March, they said if the president didn't take the unprecedented step of shutting down roughly half of the American economy, that we could lose 2.2 million Americans. Now, that's the reality. Thank you. They also Thank said to President us, if we did everything right, Susan, we could still lose more than 200,000 Americans. Vice President now, one Pence. life lost is Thank too you. many, Susan. But the American people, I believe, deserve credit for the sacrifices that they have made, putting the health of their family and their neighbors first, our doctors, our nurses, our first Thank responders. Thank you, Vice President Pence. And I'm going to speak up on behalf of what the American people have done. Vice President Pence, you were in the front row in a Rose Garden event 11 days ago, what seems to have been a super spreader event for senior administration and congressional officials. No social distancing, few masks, and now a cluster of coronavirus cases among those who were there. How can you expect Americans to follow the administration's safety guidelines to protect themselves from COVID? when you at the White House have not been doing so? Well, the American people have demonstrated over the last eight months that when given the facts, they're willing to put the health of their families and their neighbors and people they don't even know first. Now, President Trump and I have great confidence in, in the American people and, and their ability to take that information and put it into practice. In the height of the epidemic, when we were losing a heartbreaking number of 2,500 Americans a day. We surged resources to New Jersey and New York and New Orleans and Detroit. We told the American people what needed to be done, and the American people made the sacrifices. When the outbreak in the Sun Belt happened this summer, again, Americans stepped forward. But the reality is the work of the President of the United States goes on. A vacancy on the Supreme Court of the United States uh, has come upon us, and the president introduced Judge Amy Coney yes, Barrett. Thank you. Thank you, Vice but President. At, at yes. that, if I may say, that Rose Garden event, there's been a great deal of speculation about it. My wife Karen and I were there and honored to be there. Many of the people who were at that event, Susan, actually were tested yes. for coronavirus, and it was an outdoor event, which yeah. all of our scientists regularly and routinely advise. The difference here is President Trump and I trust the American people to make choices in the best interest of their health. Uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris 
consistently talk about mandates, and not, not just mandates with the coronavirus, but a government takeover of health care, the you, Green New Pence. Deal, all government control. We're about freedom and respecting the freedom of the American people. Let's talk about respecting the American people. You respect the American people when you tell them the truth. You respect the American people when you have the courage Which we've to be a leader done. speaking of those things that you may not want people to hear, but they need to hear so they can protect themselves. But this administration stood on information that if you had as a parent, if you had as a worker knowing you didn't have enough money saved up, and now you're standing in a food line because of the ineptitude of an administration that was unwilling to speak the truth to the American people. So let's talk about caring about the American people. The American people have had to sacrifice far too much because of the incompetence of this administration. It is asking too much of the people. Susan, we talk no, about the president. It is asking too much of the people Look, that they would not be equipped with the information they need to help themselves to protect Susan, their parents the and their no, children. Sorry. Uh, Kamala Harris, Senator Harris, I mean, I'm sorry. It's I mean, fine, I'm sorry. Kamala. No, no, you're Senator <laughs> Harris to me. Um, for life to get back to normal, Dr. Anthony Fauci and other experts say that most of the people who can be vaccinated need to be vaccinated. But half of Americans now say they wouldn't take a vaccine if it was released now. If the Trump administration approves a vaccine before or after the election, should Americans take it and would you take it? If the... Public health professionals, Dr. Fauci, if the doctors tell us that we should take it, I'll be the first in line to take it. Absolutely. But if Donald Trump tells us I should that we should take it, I'm not taking it. Vice President Pence, there have been a lot of repercussions from this pandemic. In recent days, the president's You're not going to out-lawyer Kamala Harris. I'm sorry. ...of the job that you hold and that you are seeking. That's our also, second truly check. Tonight. It's the role of the vice president. One of you will make history on January 20th. You will be the vice president to the oldest president the United States has ever had. Knock on wood. Donald Trump will be 74 years old on Inauguration Day. Joe Biden will be 78 years old. That already has raised concerns among some voters, concerns that have been sharpened by President Trump's hospitalization in recent days. Vice President Pence, have you had a conversation or reached an agreement with President Trump about safeguards or procedures when it comes to the issue of presidential disability? And if not, do you think you should? You have two minutes without interruption. Well, Susan, uh, thank you. Although I would like to go back. Mental disability. I, I think to, we need uh, to move on well, to the thank issue you, But I would like to go back because the reality is that we're going to have a vaccine, Senator, in record time, in unheard of time, in less than a year. We have five companies in phase three clinical trials. Okay, Donald Penn. And we're right now producing tens of millions of doses. So the fact that you continue to undermine public confidence in a vaccine, exactly. if the vaccine emerges during the Trump administration, I think is, is unconscionable. And Senator, I, I just ask you, stop playing politics with people's lives. The reality is that we will have a vaccine, we believe, before the Clown. end of this year. Clown. The capacity to save countless American lives and, and your continuous undermining uh, of confidence in a vaccine is just, it, it's just unacceptable. And let me also say, you know, the reality is when you talk about, about failure in this administration, we actually do know what failure looks like in a pandemic. It was 2009. The swine flu arrived in the United States. 
Thankfully, it was, ended up not being as lethal as the coronavirus. But before the end of the year, when Joe Biden was vice president of the United States, not seven and a half million people contracted the swine flu. 60 million Americans contracted the swine flu. If the swine flu had been as lethal as the coronavirus in 2009, when Joe Biden was vice president, we would have lost two million American lives. His own chief of staff, Ron Klain, would say last this year that it was pure luck that they did, quote, everything possible wrong. And, and we learned from that. They left the strategic national stockpile empty. They left uh, an empty and hollow plan, but we Thank still you, learned President from Pence. it. And I, I think Vice the American Pence, people, I'm going to say again, can be proud Vice President Pence, I'm sorry, of what we have up. done. And Senator, please Thank you, stop President undermining Pence. confidence in a vaccine. Senator Harris, let me ask you the same question that I asked sure. Vice President Pence, which is, have you had a conversation or reached an agreement with Vice President Biden about safeguards or procedures when it comes to the issue of presidential disability? And if not, and if you win the election next month, do you think you should? You have two minutes uninterrupted. So let me tell you, first of all, um, the day I got the call from, from Joe Biden, it was actually a Zoom call, um, asking me to serve with him on this ticket was probably one of the most memorable, memorable days of my life. Um, I, you know, I thought about my mother, who came to the United States at the age of 19, um, gave birth to me at the age of 25, at Kaiser Hospital in Oakland, California. And um, the thought that I'd be sitting here right now, um, I know would make her proud. And she must be looking down on this. Um, you know, Joe and I were raised in a very similar way. We were raised with values that are about hard work, about the value and the dignity of public service, and about the importance of fighting for the dignity of all people. And I think Joe asked me to serve with him because you know, I have a career that included being elected the first woman district attorney of San Francisco, where I created models of innovation for, for law enforcement in terms of reform of the criminal justice system. I was elected um, the first uh, woman of color and black woman to be elected attorney general of the state of California, where I ran the second largest department of justice in the United States, second only to the United States Department of Justice. And there I took on everything from transnational criminal organizations to the big banks that were taking advantage of homeowners, to for-profit colleges that were taking advantage of veterans. And then, of course, now I serve in the United States Senate as only the second black woman ever elected to the United States Senate. I serve on the Senate Intelligence Committee, where I've been in regular receipt of classified information about threats to our nation and hotspots around the world. I've traveled the world. I've met with our soldiers in, our, in war zones. And I think Joe has asked me to serve with him because he knows that we share, we share a purpose which is about lifting up the American people. And after the four years that we have seen of Donald Trump unifying our country around our common values and principles. Thank you, Senator Harris. You know, neither, neither President Trump nor Vice President Biden has released a sort of detailed health information that had become the modern norm until the 2016 election. And in recent days, President Trump's doctors have given misleading answers, or refuse to answer basic questions about his health. And my question to each of you, in turn, is, is this information voters deserve to know? Vice President Pence, would you like to go first? Well, I, Susan, thank you. And, uh, and let, me, let me say, on behalf of the president, 
and the First Lady, how moved we've all been by the outpouring of prayers and concern for the President. And I do believe it's emblematic of the prayers and the concern that have ushered forth for every American impacted by the coronavirus. But the care the President received at Walter Reed Hospital, the White House doctors, was exceptional. And the transparency that they practiced all along the way will continue. The American people have a right to know about the health and well-being of their president, and will continue to do that. But I'm just extremely grateful and was more than, more than a little moved uh, by the broad and bipartisan support. And, uh, Senator, I want to thank you and Joe Biden for your expressions of genuine concern. And I also want to congratulate you, uh, as I did on that phone call, uh, on uh, the historic nature of your nomination. Thank you. Uh, I, I never expected to be on this stage four years ago, so I know the feeling. But um, uh, the reality is uh, we've got an election. Curb your enthusiastic intro, In the midst of this challenging year, the stakes have never been higher, Thank but you. I think the Thank choice has never President. been clear. Yes, I want to give Senator Harris a chance to respond to the, the same whole time question I asked, which is do voters left. have a right to know more detailed health information about presidential candidates and especially about presidents, especially when they're facing some kind of challenge? Absolutely, and that's why Joe Biden has been so incredibly transparent, and certainly, by contrast, um, the, the president has not, um, both in terms of health records, but also let's look at taxes. Um, we now know, because of great investigative journalism, that Donald Trump paid $750 in taxes. When I first heard about it, I, I literally said, you mean $750,000? And it was like, no, $750. We now know Donald Trump owes and is in debt for $400 million. And just so everyone is clear, when, when we say in debt, it means you owe money to somebody. And it'd be really good to know who the President of the United States, the Commander-in-Chief, owes money to, because the American people have a right to know what is influencing the President's decisions. And is he making those decisions on the best interest of the American people, of you? or self-interest. So, Susan, I'm glad you asked about transparency. Because it was Stormy be Daniels. Joe has been incredibly transparent over many, many years. The one thing we all know about Joe, he puts it all out there. He, he is honest, he is forthright, but Donald Trump, on the other hand, Susan. has been Thank about covering up everything. Thanks. Thank you, Susan. Senator Harris. I want to give you a chance to respond, Vice President. Well, look, I, I respect the fact that Joe Biden spent 47 years in public life. I respect your public service as well. Thank you. The American people have a president who's a businessman, who's a job creator, who's paid tens of millions of dollars in taxes. Payroll taxes. I'm a bending man. Taxes. He's I'm a bending man. Thousands of American jobs. And the president said those public reports are not accurate. And, and the president's also released literally stacks of financial disclosures the American people can review just as the law allows. But the distinction here is that Joe Biden, 47 years in public service compared to President Donald Trump, who brought all of that experience four years ago. Thank you, thank you and Vice President. And turned this economy around by cutting taxes, rolling back regulation, thank you, thank you, American Vice President. energy, fighting for free and fair the trade. The economy was handed to him. Thank you, Vice and President. If Joe Biden went to the top. Kamala Harris. You know, all that's of the a good went segue to into our third topic, segue. which is about the economy. This has been another aspect of life for Americans that's been so affected 
by this coronavirus. We have a jobs crisis brewing. On Friday, we learned that the unemployment rate had declined to 7.9% in September, but the job growth had stalled, and that was before the latest round of layoffs and furloughs in the airline industry at Disney and elsewhere. Hundreds of thousands of discouraged workers have stopped looking for work. Nearly 11 million jobs that existed at the beginning of the year haven't been replaced. Those hardest hit include Latinos, blacks, and women. Senator Harris, the Biden-Harris campaign has proposed new programs to boost the economy, and you would pay for that new spending by raising $4 trillion in taxes on wealthy individuals and corporations. Some economists warn that could curb entrepreneurial ventures that fuel growth and create jobs. Would raising taxes put the recovery at risk? And you have two minutes to answer uninterrupted. Thank you. Um, on the issue of the economy, I, th I think there couldn't be a more fundamental difference between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Joe Biden believes you measure the health and the strength of America's economy based on the health and the strength of the American worker and the American family. On the other hand, you have Donald Trump, who measures the strength of the economy based on how rich people are doing, which is why he passed a tax bill benefiting the top 1% and the biggest corporations of America, leading to a $2 trillion deficit that the American people are going to have to pay for. On day one, Joe Biden will repeal that tax bill. He'll Remember when Republicans cared about that? He'll do with the money is invested in the American people. And through a plan that is about investing in infrastructure, is, uh, something that Donald Trump said he would do. I remember hearing about some infrastructure. Oh, seconds afterwards. But Joe Biden will do that. He'll invest in infrastructure. It's about upgrading our roads and bridges, but also investing in clean energy and renewable energy. Joe is going to invest that money in what we need to do around innovation. There was a time when our country believed in science and invested in research and development so that we were an innovation leader on the globe. Joe Biden will use that money to invest in education. So for example, for folks who want to go to a two-year community college, it will be free. If you come from a family that makes less than $125,000, you'll go to a public university for free. And across the board, we'll make sure that if you have student loan debt, it's cut by $10,000. That's how Joe Biden thinks about the economy, which is it's about investing in the people of our country, as opposed to passing a tax bill which had the benefit of letting American corporations go offshore to do their business. Thank you, You're Senator welcome. Harris. Vice President Pence, your administration has been predicting a rapid and robust recovery, but the latest economic report suggests that's not happening. Should Americans be braced for an economic comeback that is going to take not months, but a year or more? You have two minutes to answer uninterrupted. When President Trump and I took office, America had gone through the slowest economic recovery since the Great Depression. It's when Joe Biden was vice president, they tried to tax and spend and regulate and bail our way back to a growing economy. President Trump cut taxes across the board. Despite what uh, Senator Harris says, the average American family of four had $2,000 in savings in taxes. And with the rise in wages that occurred, most predominantly for blue-collar, hard-working Americans. The Trump administration was handed a fixed economy. Increased by $4,000 following President Trump's tax cuts. But America, you just heard Senator Harris tell you, on day one, Joe Biden's going to raise your taxes. It's really remarkable to think. I mean, right after 
a time where we're going through a pandemic that lost 22 million jobs at the height. We've already added back 11.6 million jobs because we had a president who cut taxes, rolled back regulation, unleashed American energy, fought for free and fair trade, and secured $4 trillion from the Congress of the United States to give direct payments to families, save 50 million jobs through the Paycheck Protection Program. We literally have spared no expense to help the American people and the American worker through this. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris want to raise taxes. They want to bury our economy under a $2 trillion Green New Deal, which you were one of the original co-sponsors of in the United States Senate. They want to abolish fossil fuels and ban fracking, which would cost hundreds of thousands of American jobs all across the heartland. And Joe Biden wants to go back to the economic surrender to China, that when we took office, half of our international trade deficit was with China alone. And Joe Biden wants to repeal all of the tariffs that President Trump put into effect to fight for American jobs and American workers. Joe Biden says democracy's on the ballot. Make no mistake about it, Susan. The, the American economy, the American comeback is on the ballot with four more years of growth Thank you, and opportunity, Thank four you, more years of President Donald Trump. 2021 Thank is going to be the President biggest Pence. economic year in the history of this country. Thank you, Vice President Pence. Senator Harris. Well, I mean, I thought we saw enough of it in last week's debate, but I think this is supposed to be a debate based on fact and truth. And the truth and the fact is Joe Biden has been very clear. He will not raise taxes on anybody who makes less than $400,000 a year. He said he's going to repeal the Trump tax cut. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Well, <laughs> I'm speaking. It would be important if you said the truth. Joe Biden said twice in the debate last week that he's going to repeal the Trump tax cuts. That was tax cuts that gave the average working family $2,000 in a tax break every single year. That is, Senator, that is absolutely not true. Corporate stock buybacks, money going to the top. That's what the Trump tax bill did for finish, most people. We can Please. then have a conversation, okay? Please. Okay. Joe Biden will not raise taxes on anyone who makes less than $400,000 a year. He has been very clear about that. Joe Biden will not end fracking. He has been very clear about that. Huh. Joe Biden is the one who, during the, the Great Recession, was responsible. Ending fracking is kind of what we need, that but brought still. America back. And now the Trump-Pence administration wants to take credit when they, ran, when they rode the coattails of Joe Biden's success for the economy that they had at the beginning of their term. Of course, now the economy is a complete disaster. But Joe Biden, on the one hand, did that. On the other hand, you have Donald Trump, who has reigned over a recession that is being compared to the Great Depression. On the one hand, you have Joe Biden, who was responsible with President Barack Obama for the Affordable Care Act which brought health care to over 20 million Americans and protected people with pre-existing conditions. And what it also did is it saved those families who otherwise were going bankrupt because of hospital bills they could not afford. On the other hand, you have Donald Trump, who's in court right now, trying to get rid of, Thank you, trying to get rid of the Affordable Care Act, which means that you will lose protections if you have pre-existing conditions. And I just, this is very important, Susan. Yes, and it's important. We, need to give, we need to give Vice President... I, I just like, to, he stop. interrupted me, and I'd like to just finish, please. If you have a pre-existing condition, heart disease, diabetes, breast cancer, they're coming for you. If you love someone who has a pre-existing condition, Thank you. Thank they're you, coming Harris. for you. If Nonsense. you are under the age of 26 on your parents' coverage, 
They're coming for you. Senator Harris, thank you. You're welcome. Let me give you a chance to respond. Well, I hope we have a chance to talk about health care because Obamacare was a disaster. The American people remember it well. And President Trump and I have a plan to, to improve health care and to protect, protect pre-existing conditions. They have no plan. America. The Republicans have never had a plan. Senator Harris, you're, you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. You yourself said on multiple occasions when you were running for president that you would ban fracking. Joe Biden looked at a supporter in the eye and pointed and said, I guarantee, I guarantee that we will abolish fossil fuels. They have a $2 trillion version of the Green New Deal, Susan, that your newspaper, USA Today, said really wasn't that very di different from the original Green New Deal. More taxes, more regulation, banning fracking, abolishing fossil fuel, crushing American energy, and economic surrender to China is a prescription for <laughs> economic decline. President Trump and I will keep America growing. The V-shaped recovery that's underway right now will continue with four more years of President Donald Trump. In the thank, thank you very, very much, Vice President Pence. Once again, you've provided the perfect segue to a new topic, which is climate change. And Vice President Pence, I'd like to pose the first question to you. This year, we've seen record-setting hurricanes in the South. Another one, Hurricane Delta, is now threatening the Gulf. And we have seen record-setting wildfires in the West. Do you believe, as the scientific community has concluded, that man-made climate change has made wildfires bigger, hotter, and more deadly, and have made hurricanes wetter, slower, and more damaging? You have two minutes. Bam, here's your question. Thank you, Susan. Well, first, I'm very proud of our record on the environment and on conservation. According to all of the best estimates, our, our air and land are cleaner than any time ever recorded, and our water is among the cleanest in the world. And just a little while ago, the president signed the Outdoors Act, the largest investment in our public lands and public parks in 100 years. So President Trump has made a commitment to conservation and to the environment. Now, with regard to climate change, the climate is changing, but the issue is, what's the cause? Currently looking up the Outdoors it? Act. President Trump has made it clear that we're going to continue to listen to the science. Now, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris would put us back in the Paris Climate Accord. They'd impose the Green New Deal, which would crush American energy, would increase the energy costs of American families in their homes, and literally would crush American jobs. And President Trump and I believe that the progress that we have made in a cleaner environment has been happening precisely because we have a strong free market economy. You know, what's remarkable is the United States has reduced CO2 more than the countries that are still in the Paris Climate Accord, but we've done it through innovation, and we've done it through natural gas and fracking, which, Senator, the American people can go look at the record. I, I know Joe Biden says otherwise now, as you do, but the both of you repeatedly committed to abolishing fossil fuel and banning of fracking. And so by creating the kind of American innovation, we're actually steering toward a stronger and better environment. With regard to wildfires, President Trump and I believe that forest management has to be front and center, and even Governor Gavin Newsom from your state has agreed we've got to work on forest management. And with regard to hurricanes, the National Oceanic Administration tells us that actually as, as difficult as they are, Thank you, Vice President. there are no more hurricanes today than Thank there you. were 100 years ago.
Thank you. But many of the climate alarmists use hurricanes and wildfires to try and sell their bill of goods of a Green New Deal. And President Trump and I are going to always put American jobs in America. We ran out of names in the English alphabet. That's why we're using Greek letters for the hurricane. And he's saying there's no more hurricanes. But Vice President Biden said in last week's debate that he does not support the Green New Deal. But if you look at the Biden-Harris campaign website, it describes the Green New Deal as a crucial framework. What exactly would be the stance of a Biden-Harris administration toward the Green New Deal? You have two minutes uninterrupted. Sure. So first of all, I will repeat, and the American people know, that Joe Biden will not ban fracking. That is a fact. That is a fact. I will repeat that Joe Biden has been very clear that he thinks about growing jobs, which is why he will not increase taxes for anyone who makes less than $400,000 a year. Joe Biden's economic plan, Moody's, which is a reputable Wall Street firm, has said will create 7 million more jobs than Donald Trump's. And part of those jobs that will be created by Joe Biden are going to be about clean energy and renewable energy. Because, you see, Joe understands that the west coast of our country is burning, including my home state of California. Joe sees what is happening on the Gulf states, which are being battered by storms. Joe has seen and talked with the farmers in Iowa, whose entire crops have been destroyed because of floods. And so Joe believes, again, in science. I'll tell you something, Susan. I served, when I first got to the Senate, on the committee that's responsible for the environment. Do you know this administration took the word science off the website and then took the phrase climate change off the website? This, we have seen a pattern with this administration, which is they don't believe in science. And Joe's plan is about saying, we're going to deal with it, but we're also going to create jobs. Donald Trump, when asked about the wildfires in California, and, and the question was, you know, the science is telling us this. You know what Donald Trump said? Science doesn't know. So let's talk about who is prepared to lead our country over the course of the next four years on what is an existential threat to us as human beings. Joe is about saying we're going to invest that in renewable energy. It's going to be about the creation of millions of jobs. We will achieve net um, zero emissions by 2050, carbon neutral by 2035. Joe has a plan. This has been a lot of talk from the Trump administration, and really it has been to go backward instead of forward. We will also re-enter the climate agreement with pride. Senator Harris just said that climate change is an existential threat. Vice President Pence, do you believe that climate change poses an existential threat? As I said, Susan, the climate is changing. We'll follow the science. But uh, once again, uh, Senator Harris uh, is denying the fact that they're going to raise taxes on every American. Joe Biden said twice in the debate last week, that on day one, he was going to repeal the Trump tax cuts. Those tax cuts delivered $2,000 in tax relief to the average family of four across America. And with regard to banning fracking, I just recommend that people look at the record. You yourself said repeatedly that you would ban fracking. You were the first Senate co-sponsor of the Green New Deal. And while Joe Biden denied the Green New Deal, Susan, thank you for pointing out, the Green New Deal is on their campaign website. And as USA Today said, it's essentially the same plan as you co-sponsored with AOC when she submitted it in the Senate. 
And you just heard the senator say that she's going to resubmit America to the Paris Climate Accord. Look, the, the American people have always cherished our environment. We'll continue to cherish it. We've made great progress reducing CO2 emissions through American innovation and the development of natural gas through fracking. We don't need a massive $2 trillion Green New Deal that would impose all new mandates on American businesses and American families. Thank you. Joe Biden wants us Thank to retrofit President. 4 million Thank American business yes. buildings. It makes no sense. It will cost jobs. President Trump Thank is going to put President. America first. He's going to put jobs first, and we're going to take care of our environment and follow the science. Thank but, you, uh, you know, On the issue of jobs, Senator Harris. let's talk about that. You, the, the vice president earlier referred to, as part of what he thinks is an accomplishment, um, the, the president's trade war with China. You lost that trade war. You lost it. What ended up happening is because of a so-called trade war with China, America lost 300,000 manufacturing jobs. Farmers have experienced bankruptcy because of it. We are in a manufacturing recession because of it. And when we look at where this administration has been, there are estimates that by the end of the term of this administration, they will have lost more jobs than almost any other presidential administration. Mm -hmm. And the American people know what I'm talking about. You know, I, I think about 20-year-olds. You know, we have a 20-year-old, a 20-something-year-old, who are coming out of high school and college right now, and you're wondering, is there going to be a job there for me? We're looking at people who are trying to figure out how they're going to pay rent by the end of the month. Almost half of American renters are worried about whether they're going to be able to pay rent by the end of the month. This is where the economy is in America right now, and it is because of the catastrophe and the failure of leadership of this administration. Thank you, Senator Harris. Vice President Pence, let me give you just 15 seconds to respond, because then I want to move on. To well, I, I'd love to respond. Look, um, lost the trade war with China. Joe Biden never fought it. Joe Biden has been a cheerleader for communist China through over the last several decades. And, and again, Senator Harris, you're entitled to your opinion. You're not entitled to your own facts. When you Joe started a battle. We lost 200,000 manufacturing oh jobs. And President Obama said they were never coming back. He said we needed a magic wand to bring them back. In our first three years after we cut taxes, you, rolled back President regulation, Pence. unleashed American energy, this administration saw 500,000 manufacturing jobs Pence. created. And that's exactly the kind of growth we're going to continue to see as we bring our nation through Thank you, this President pandemic. But a Green New Thank Deal, you, your Vice massive President new Pence. mandates, your Paris Climate Accord, it's going to kill jobs this time, just like it killed jobs. I, 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 just, I, I just need to respond very briefly. Uh, 15 please. seconds, and Thank then you. we'll move Thank on. you. Joe Biden is responsible for saving America's auto industry, and you voted against it. So let's set the record straight. Thank you. Yeah. I'd like to talk about China. We have, as our next topic, we have no more complicated or consequential foreign relationship than the one with China. It is a huge market for American agricultural goods. It's a potential partner in dealing with climate change in North Korea. And in a video tonight, President Trump again blamed it for the coronavirus, saying China will pay. Vice President Pence, how would you describe our, our fundamental relationship with China? Competitors, adversaries, enemies? You have two minutes. Thank you, Susan. 
Well, let me, before I leave that, let me, let me speak to voting records if I can. You know, everybody knows that NAFTA cost literally thousands of American factories to close. We saw automotive jobs go south of the border. President Trump fought to renegotiate NAFTA. And the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement is now the law of the land. American people deserve to know Senator Kamala Harris was one of only 10 members of the Senate to vote against the USMCA. It was a huge win for American auto workers. It was a huge win for American farmers, especially dairy in the upper Midwest. But Senator, you, you said it didn't go far enough on climate change, mm -hmm. that, that you put your, your radical environmental agenda ahead of American auto workers and ahead of American jobs. I think the American people deserve to know that is probably why Newsweek magazine said that, that Kamala Harris was the most liberal member of the United States Senate in 2019, more liberal than Bernie Sanders, uh, more, more liberal than any of the others in the United States Senate. So now with regard to China. That delegitimizes the list. Susan, first and foremost. What kind of gazy-ass list is that? And President Trump is not happy about it. He's made that very clear, made it clear again today. China and the World Health Organization did not play straight with the American people. They did not let our personnel into China to get information on the coronavirus until the middle of February. Fortunately, President Trump, in dealing with China from the outset of this administration, standing up to China, they've been taking advantage of America for decades in the wake of <laughs> Joe Biden's cheerleading for China. President Trump made that decision before the end of January to suspend all travel from China. And again, the American people deserve to know Joe Biden opposed President Trump's decision to suspend all travel from China. He said it was hysterical. He said it Thank was you, xenophobic. Vice President Pence. But President Trump Vice has President stood Pence, up to China. We're going to continue to stand strong. Thank you, Vice President Pence. We want to improve Sleepy the relationship. Mike Pence. We're going to level the playing field. Fat. We're going to hold Vice China Pence. accountable for what they did to America with the coronavirus. Thank you. Senator Harris, let me ask you the same question that I asked the Vice President. How would you describe our fundamental relationship with China. Are we competitors, adversaries, enemies? You'll have two minutes uninterrupted. Susan, the Trump administration's perspective and approach to China has resulted in the loss of American lives, American jobs, and America's standing. There's a weird obsession that President Trump has had with getting rid of whatever accomplishment was achieved by President Obama and Vice President Biden. For example, they created within the White House an office that basically was responsible for monitoring pandemics. They got away, they, they got rid of it. Not true. There was a team of disease experts that President Obama and Vice President Biden dispatched to China to monitor what is now predictable and what might happen. They pulled them out. We now are looking at 210,000 Americans who have lost their lives. Let's look at the job situation. We mentioned before the trade deal, the trade war, they wanted to call it, with China. It resulted in the loss of over 300 manufacturing jobs and a manufacturing recession and the American consumer paying thousands of dollars more for goods because of that failed war that they called it. Then let's talk about standing. Pew, 
a reputable research firm, has done an analysis that shows that leaders of all of our formerly allied countries have now decided that they hold in greater esteem and respect Xi Jinping, the head of the Chinese Communist Party, than they do Donald Trump, the President of the United States, the Commander-in-Chief of the United States. This is where we are today because of a failure of leadership by this administration. Senator Harris, Can they just do a karaoke battle? In the, in the role of the United States in terms of global leadership over the past four years. And of course, times do change. Or Dance Dance Revolution. What's your cool. definition? We've seen strains with China, of course, as the Vice President mentioned. Vice We've Presidential seen strains with Guitar our Hero. Allies in NATO and elsewhere. What is your definition of the role of American leadership in 2020? So, you know, Joe is, I, I love talking with Joe about a lot of these issues. And, you know, Joe, he, I think he said it quite well. He says, you know, foreign policy, it might sound complicated, but really it's relationships. So just think about it as relationships. And so we know this in our personal and professional relationships. Um, you got to keep your word to your friends. Got to be loyal to your friends. People who have stood with you, got to stand with them. You got to know who your adversaries are and keep them in check. But what we have seen with Donald Trump is that he has betrayed Fuck your fake friends while your real friends and, 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 and embraced dictators around the world. Let's take, for example, Russia. So Russia, I serve on the Intelligence Committee of the United States Senate. America's intelligence community told us Russia interfered in the election of the president of the United States in 2016 and is playing in 2020. Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI, said the same. But Donald Trump, the commander-in-chief of the United States of America, prefers to take the word of Vladimir Putin over the word of the American intelligence community. You look at our friends at NATO. He has walked away from agreements. You can talk, look at the Iran nuclear deal, which now has put us in a position where we are less safe because they are building up what might end up being a significant nuclear arsenal. We were in that deal, guys. We were in the Iran nuclear deal with friends, with allies around the country. And because of Donald Trump's unilateral approach to foreign policy, coupled with his isolationism, he pulled us out and has made America less safe. So Susan, it's about relationships. And the thing that has always been part of the strength of our nation, in addition to our great military, has been that we keep our word. But Donald Trump doesn't understand that because he doesn't understand what it means to be honest. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Senator Harris. Vice President Pence, let me give you a chance to respond. Well, thank you. Um, well, President Trump kept his word when we moved the American embassy to Jerusalem, the capital of the state of Israel. When Joe Biden was vice president, they promised to do that, and they never did. We stood strong with our allies, but we've been demanding. NATO is now contributing more to our common defense than ever before, thanks to President Trump's leadership. We've strengthened our alliances across the Asia-Pacific, and we've stood strong uh, against those who would do us harm. You know, when President Trump came into office, uh, ISIS had captured an area of the Middle East the size of Pennsylvania. But President Trump unleashed the American military and our armed forces destroyed the ISIS caliphate and took down their leader, al-Baghdadi, without one American casualty. 
al-Baghdadi was uh, responsible for the death of thousands. Um, but notably, America's hearts today are with the family of Kayla Mueller, the parents of which are here with us tonight in Salt Lake City. Today, two of the ISIS killers responsible for Kayla Mueller's murder were brought to justice in the United States. Jihadi John was killed on the battlefield along with the other beetle. The reality is that Jihadi John Joe Biden was vice president. We had an opportunity to save Kayla Miller. F for Jihadi John in the chat. On it, but the military came into the Oval Office, presented a plan. They said they knew where Kayla was. Baghdadi had held her for 18 months, abused her mercilessly before they killed her. But when Joe Biden was vice president, they hesitated for a month. And when armed forces finally went in, it was clear she'd been moved two days earlier. And her family says with a heart that broke the heart of every American that if President Donald Trump had been president, they believe Kayla would be alive today. Thank you, Vice Look, President. Look, we destroyed the ISIS caliphate. Uh, and you talk about re-entering the Iran nuclear deal. I mean, the last administration transferred $1.8 billion to the leading state sponsor Thank you, Vice of President terrorism. Pence. President Donald Trump got us out of the deal. Thank you, Vice President Pence. And, and when Qasem Soleimani was traveling to Baghdad Thank you, to Vice do President harm Pence. to Americans, President Donald Trump took Thank him you, Vice out. President Pence. And America is, is safer. Our allies are safer. And the American people know President Donald Trump will never have to take I would like to give Senator Harris a, a chance to respond, but not at such great length, because, of course, there are other topics we want to talk about. But I would like equal time. Yes. Thank we you, blew Soleimani's back out for the uh, truth. First of all, to the Mueller family, I, I, I know about your daughter's case, and I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, what happened to her is awful, and it should have never happened. And I know Joe feels the same way. And I know that President Obama feels the same way. Um, but you mentioned Soleimani. Let's, let's start there. So after the strike on Soleimani, there was a counter strike on our troops in Iraq. And Good game, counter strike. They suffered serious brain injuries. And do you know what Donald Trump dismissed them as? Headaches. And this is about a pattern of Donald Trump's where he has referred to our men who are serving in our military as suckers and losers. Donald Trump, who went to Arlington Cemetery and stood above the graves of our fallen heroes and said, what's in it for them? Because of course, you know, he only thinks about what's in it for him. Let's take what he said about John McCain a great American hero. And, and, and Donald Trump says he doesn't deserve to be called a hero because he was a prisoner of war. Take, and this is, this is very important, when you want to talk about who is the current commander-in-chief and what they care about and what they don't care about. Public reporting that Russia had bounties on the heads of American soldiers. And you know what a bounty is? It's Somebody puts a price on your head, and they will pay it if you are killed. And Donald Trump had talked at least six times to Vladimir Putin and never brought up the subject. Joe Biden would never do that. Thank Joe you. Biden would, but, but Joe Biden yeah. would hold Russia to account 
for any threat to our nation's security or to our troops who are sacrificing their lives for the sake of our democracy and our safety. Thank you, Senator Harris. This is such an important issue, but we have other put a, important put issues. A bag as well. I want to make sure we have a chance I really to have talk to about to that. I, I, Look, uh, she has 15 she, seconds because well, I gotta have we're trying more to keep. Than that. Look, well, you, I'm sorry, but Vice President Pence, you've I, had more time than look, she's the, had the, so the far. Slanders against President Donald Trump regarding men and women of our armed forces are absurd. I'm, I'm sorry, Vice My President My son Pence. is a captain in the United yes. States Marine Corps. My son-in-law is deployed in the United States Navy. I can assure all of you, with sons and daughters serving in our military, President Donald Trump not only respects but reveres all of those who serve in our armed forces. And any suggestion otherwise is ridiculous. Let Thank you, Vice President say, Pence. Vice President people Pence, deserve, Pence, 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 American people deserve I didn't to know. Vice President Pence, I did not. Excuse me, Susan. I did not create the rules for tonight. Joe Biden. You, your campaigns agreed to the rules for tonight's I, debate with I, the Commission on Presidential Debates. I'm here to enforce them, which involves moving from one topic to another, giving roughly Someone equal give time to both of you, which is what I'm trying very hard to do. So I want to go ahead and move to the next topic, which is an important one as the last topic was, and that is the Supreme Court. On Monday, the Senate Judiciary Committee is scheduled to open hearings on Amy Coney Barrett's nomination to the Supreme Court. Senator Harris, you'll be there as a member of the committee. Her confirmation would cement the court's conservative majority and make it likely open to more abortion restrictions, even to overturning the landmark Roe v. Wade ruling. Access to abortion would then be up to the states. Vice President Pence, you're the former governor of Indiana. If Roe v. Wade is overturned, what would you want Indiana to do? Would you want your home state to ban all abortions? You have two minutes uninterrupted. Well, thank you for the question, but I'll use a little bit of my time to respond to that very important issue before. The American people deserve to know Qasem Soleimani, the Iranian general, was responsible for the death of hundreds of Americans. This American was two soldiers. questions ago. When the opportunity <laughs> the came... We saw him headed to Baghdad to kill more Americans. President Trump didn't hesitate. And Qasem Soleimani is gone. Has he ever taken a written test in his life? Anything? And Kamala Harris actually criticized the decision to take out Salem, uh, Qasem Pencils Soleimani. down, Mr. Pence. Really no, no, no. I still have five more questions. Joe Biden, it's, it's explainable. Because history records that Joe Biden actually opposed the raid against Osama bin Laden. Someone it's take a scantron right now that we have a commander-in-chief who will not hesitate to act to protect American lives and to protect American service members, and that's what you have in President Donald Trump. Now, with regard to the Supreme Court of the United States, let me say President Trump and I could not be more enthusiastic about the Abortion. opportunity Amy Coney Barrett become Justice Amy Coney Barrett. Now, she's a brilliant woman, and uh, she will bring a lifetime of experience and a sizable American family the Supreme Court of the United States. And our hope is in the hearing next week... She'll bring a like lifetime of conservative Supreme Court rulings. That's what he's talking about. It's a fair hearing. And we particularly hope that we don't see the kind of attacks on her Christian faith that we... Like Mayor Garland got a fair hearing? The Democrat chairman of the Judiciary Committee before, when, when Judge Barrett was being confirmed for the Court of Appeals expressed concern that the dogma of her faith lived loudly in her. Dick Durbin of Illinois said that it was a concern. Uh, Senator, I know one of our judicial nominees, you actually 
attacked because they were a member of the Catholic Knights of Columbus, just because the Knights of Columbus holds pro-life views and Thank you. Views. Thank you, Vice President Pence. So Your my time hope is, is up. that when the hearing takes place, that Thank you, Vice that, President Pence. That Judge Amy literally Conner didn't Barrett say anything about abortion. Thank Freedom you, Vice President Pence. Voted and confirmed to the Supreme Court of the United States. Kamala is coming for that in a moment. The senator from Officer Alabama, doesn't forget. General of California. So let me ask you a parallel question to the one I posed to the Vice President. If Roe v. Wade is overturned, what would you want California to do? Would you want your home state to enact no restrictions on access to abortion? And you have two minutes uninterrupted. Thank you, Susan. First of loaded, all, loaded question. Joe Biden and I are both people of faith. And it's insulting to suggest that we would knock anyone for their faith. And in fact, Joe, if elected, will be only the second uh, practicing Catholic uh, as president of the United States. Um, on the issue of this, of this nomination, Joe and I are, are very clear, as are the majority of the American people. We are 27 days before the decision about who will be the next president of the United States. And, you know, before, when this conversation has come up, you know, it's been about election year or election time. We're literally in an election. Over four million people have voted People are in the process of voting right now. And so Joe has been very clear, as the American people are, let the American people fill that seat in the White House, and then we'll fill that seat on the United States Supreme Court. And to your point, Susan, the, the issues before us couldn't be more serious. There's the issue of choice, and I will always fight for a woman's right to make a decision about her own body. It should be her decision and not that of Donald Trump and, and the Vice President, Michael Pence. But let's also look at what else is before the, the, the court. It's the Affordable Care Act. Like, literally in the midst of a public health pandemic, when over 210,000 people have died and 7 million people probably have what will be in the future considered a pre-existing condition because you, you, you contracted the virus. Donald Trump is in court right now trying to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. And I said it before, and it bears repeating. This means that there will be no more protections if they win for people with pre-existing conditions. This means that over 20 million people will lose your coverage. It means that if you're under the age of 26, you can't stay on your parents' coverage anymore. And here's the thing. The contrast couldn't be more clear. They're trying to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. Thank Joe you. Biden is saying, let's expand coverage. Let's give you a choice of a public Thank option you, or private coverage. Let's bring down premiums. Thank you, Senator Let's Harris. lower Medicare eligibility to 60. Thank you, Senator That's true Harris. leadership. You know, you mentioned uh, earlier, Vice President Pence, that the president was committed to maintaining protections for people with pre-existing conditions. Um, and, but you do have this court case that you are supporting, your administration supporting, that would strike down the Affordable Care Act. The, the president says, President Trump says that he's going to protect people with pre-existing conditions, but he has not explained how he would do that. And that was one of the toughest nuts to crack when they were passing the Affordable Care Act. So tell us specifically, how would your administration protect mm, Americans with pre-existing conditions have right access to affordable insurance if the Affordable Care Act is struck down? Well, uh, thank you, Susan. But let me just say, addressing your very first question, I couldn't be more proud to serve as vice president to a president who stands without apology for the sanctity of human life. I'm pro-life. I don't apologize for it. 
And this is two, another one of these cases. 200,000 Americans contrast. dead. Joe and Biden Trump stands for life. Taxpayer funding of abortion all the, the way up to the moment. I discovered birth. tonight that Mike Pence actually does have balls. Increased funding to Planned Parenthood of America. Now, for our part, I, I would never presume how Judge Amy Coney Barrett would rule on the Supreme Court of the United States, but um, we'll continue to stand strong for the right to life. When you speak about the Supreme Court, though, I think the American people really deserve an answer, Senator Harris. Are you and Joe Biden going to pack the court if Judge Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed? Trump's administration is only pro-life. I mean, there have been 29 vacancies in the Supreme Court during presidential election years from George Washington to Barack Obama. Presidents have nominated in all 29 cases. But your party is actually openly advocating adding seats to the Supreme Court, which has had nine seats for 150 years if you don't get your way. This is a classic case of if you can't win by the rules, you're going to change the rules. Now, you've refused to answer the question. Joe Biden has refused to answer the question. So I think the American people would really like to know if Judge Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed at the Supreme Court of the United States, are you and Joe Biden, if somehow you win this election, going to pack the Supreme Court to get your way? I'm so glad we went through a little history lesson. Let's do that a little more. In 1864... Well, I'd like you to answer the question. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I'm speaking. Okay. In 1864, one of the, I think, political heroes, certainly of the president, I I assume of you also, Mr. Vice President, is Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. Abraham Lincoln was up for re-election. And it was 27 days before the election. And a seat became open on the United States Supreme Court. Abraham Lincoln's party was in charge, not only of the White House, but the Senate. But Honest Abe said, it's not the right thing to do. The American people deserve to make the decision about who will be the next president of the United States. And then that person can select who will serve for a lifetime on the highest court of our land. And so Joe and I are very clear. The American people are voting right now, and it should be their decision about who will serve on this most important body for a lifetime. Thank you, and, and Senator the Harris. People, Susan, are voting right now. They'd like to know if you and Joe Biden are going to pack the Supreme Court if you don't get your way in this nomination. Let's talk about packing. You once Come again on. gave a non-answer. Joe Biden gave a non-answer. <laughs> trying to answer you the now. American people deserve a straight <laughs> answer. And, And if you haven't figured it out yet, the straight answer is they are going to pack the Supreme Court if they somehow win this election. Men and women, I've got to tell you, people across this country, if you cherish our Supreme Court, if you cherish the separation of powers, you need to reject the Biden-Harris ticket. Come November the 3rd, re-elect President Donald Trump, and we'll stand by that separation of powers in a nine-seat Supreme Court. Conservatives hate the Supreme Court. We'll have a majority. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to. So the Trump-Pence administration has been, because I sit on the Senate Judiciary Committee, Susan, as you mentioned, and I've witnessed the appointments for lifetime appointments to the federal courts, district courts, courts of appeal. People who are purely ideological, people who have been reviewed by, by legal professional organizations and found to have been not competent are substandard. And do you know that of the 50 people who President Trump appointed to the Court of Appeals for lifetime appointments, not one is black. 
this is what they've been doing. You want to talk about packing a court? Let's have that discussion. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Senator. This it's is a strong strategy from Kamala Harris. Racial justice. I, I just want the record to reflect she never answered the question. But the American, thank, thank maybe you. in the next debate, Joe Biden will answer the question. You, but I think the you. American people know the answer. Thank you, Vice President. She's a, she's a black and Breonna Taylor, a 26-year-old emergency room technician in Louisville, was shot and killed after police officers executing a search warrant in a narcotics investigation broke into Imagine her apartment. Pence complaining about questions The police not being said answered. they identified themselves. Taylor's boyfriend said he didn't hear them do that. He used a gun registered to him to fire a shot, which wounded an officer. The officers then fired more than 20 rounds into the apartment. They say they were acting in self-defense. None of them have been indicted in connection with her death. Senator Harris, in the case of Breonna Taylor, was justice done? You have two minutes. I don't believe so. And I've, I've talked with Breonna's mother, Tamika Palmer, and her family. And her family deserves justice. She was a beautiful young woman. She had as her life goal to become a nurse, and she wanted to become an EMT to first learn what's going on out on the street so she could then become a nurse and save lives. And her life was taken unjustifiably and tragically and violently. And it just, it, it brings me to, you know, the eight minutes and 46 seconds that America witnessed, during which an American man was tortured and killed under the knee of an armed, uniformed police officer. And people around our country, of every race, of every age, of every gender, perfect strangers to each other, marched shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm, fighting for us to finally achieve that ideal of equal justice under law. And I was a part of those peaceful protests. And I believe strongly that, first of all, we are never going to condone violence, but we always... What, Bam, you didn't see her in her Thames? ...for the values that we hold dear, including the fight to achieve our she ideals. She wasn't supposed to be shoulder to And that's why Joe Biden yeah. and I have said on this subject, look, and I'm a, I'm a former career prosecutor. I know what I'm talking about. Bad cops are bad for good cops. We need reform of our policing in America and our criminal justice system, which is why Joe and I will immediately ban chokeholds and carotid holes. George Floyd would be alive today if we did that. We will require a national registry for police officers who break the law. We will, on the issue of criminal justice reform, get rid of private prisons and cash bail. And Thank we you. will decriminalize marijuana. And we, you, will, we will expunge the records of those who have Thank been you, convicted Harris. of marijuana. This is Thank the you, time Senator for Harris. leadership on a tragic, tragic issue Senator Harris, of unarmed black people in America. Who Thank you, Senator killed. Harris. Vice President Pence, let me pose the same question. Free Rollo. In the case of Breonna Taylor, was justice done? You have two minutes uninterrupted. Back to my previous answer. Well, our heart breaks for the loss of innocent, any innocent American life. And the family of Breonna Taylor has our sympathies. But I, I trust our justice system, a grand jury that refused the evidence. But... And it really is remarkable that as a former prosecutor, you would assume that an impaneled grand jury looking at all the evidence got it wrong. But uh, you're entitled to your opinion, Senator. I think 
Look, they didn't look at all the evidence. George Floyd, there, there's no excuse for what happened to George Floyd. And justice will be served. But there's also no excuse for the rioting and looting that followed. I mean, it, it really is astonishing. Flora Westbrook is with us here tonight in Salt Lake City. Just a few weeks ago, I stood at what used to be her salon was burned to the ground by rioters and looters. And, and Flora is still trying to put her life back together. They were white. And I must tell you, this, this, this presumption... Those lives were lost, but damn, that salon... ...from Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, that, uh, that America is systemically racist. And that as Joe Biden... The salons said, can be rebuilt. Law enforcement has an implicit bias against minorities is, is a great insult to the men and women who serve in law enforcement. And I want everyone to know who puts on the uniform of law enforcement every day that President Trump and I stand with you. And it is remarkable that, tell that when Senator Tim Scott tried to pass a police reform bill, brought together a group of Republicans and Democrats, Senator Harris, you got up and walked out of the room. And then you filibustered Senator uh, Tim Scott's bill on the Senate floor that would have provided new accountability, new repeat resources. Look, we don't have to choose between supporting law enforcement, improving public safety, and supporting our African-American neighbors you, and President. all of our minorities. Under President Trump's leadership, you, we will President always Pence. stand with law enforcement and we'll do what we've done from day Pence, one and that is improve is the up. lives of African-Americans. Thank you, Vice Record President unemployment. Pence. Record Vice investments President in Pence, education and will fight for school choice for all of our members. Thank you, Vice President. I'd like to respond. Senator Harris. I will not sit here and be elected uh, Vice President on what it means to enforce the laws of our country. I am the only one on this stage who has personally prosecuted everything from child sexual assault to homicide. I'm the only one on this stage who has prosecuted the big banks for taking advantage of America's homeowners. I am the only one on this stage who prosecuted Except for, Steve for taking advantage of our veterans. And the reality of this is that we are talking about an election in 27 days where last week the President of the United States took a debate yeah, stage in front of head. 70 million Americans and refused it's, to it's condemn white supremacists. Murder was. And Not true. it wasn't like he didn't have a chance. He didn't do it, and then he doubled down. And then he said, when pressed, stand back, stand what by. If, what if it crawls down to his eye? And this is a part of a pattern of Donald Trump's. You, he, was, he called this flies about to go viral. rapists and criminals. He instituted as his first act a Muslim ban. He, on the issue of Charlottesville, where people were peacefully protesting the need for racial justice, where a young woman was killed, and on the other side, there were neo-Nazis carrying tiki torches, shouting racial epithets, anti-Semitic slurs, and Donald Trump, when asked about it, said, there were fine people on both sides. This is who we have as the president Susan. of the United States, and America, Susan. you deserve better. Joe Biden will be a president who brings our country together Senator Harris, and, and, and recognizes the beauty in our diversity and the fact Senator that we Harris, all have so you. much more in common than what separates us. Vice President Pence, let me give you a minute to respond. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate that very much. 
You know, I think this is one of the things that uh, makes people dislike the media so much in this country, Susan, is that you selectively edit, just like Senator Harris did, comments that President Trump and I and others on our side of the aisle make. I mean, Senator Harris conveniently omitted, after the, after the president made comments about people on either side of the debate over monuments, he condemned the KKK, neo-Nazis, and white supremacists, and has done so repeatedly. You're concerned that he doesn't condemn neo-Nazis. President Trump has Jewish grandchildren. His daughter and son-in-law are Jewish. <laughs> this is a president who, who respects and cherishes all of the American people. But you talk about having personally prosecuted. I'm glad you brought up your record, Senator. Thank you. Stand That's, back and I, I really stand need by. To make this point. When you were when you were DA in San Francisco, when you left office, African Americans were 19 times more likely to be prosecuted for minor drug offenses than whites and Hispanics. When you were Attorney General you. of California, Thank you, you increased the, purport, the disproportionate incarceration of Thank blacks you. in California. Yeah. You did nothing on criminal yeah. justice reform in California. We, we are here trapping. Finger Thank to you. pass the first step. Oh, back I'm sorry. Did the Trump Hill. administration I mean, legalize marijuana federally? Did, did I miss that? President Trump and I have fought for criminal justice reform. Thank you, Vice President. We fought Pence. for educational choice and opportunities for with Kim Kardashian. Thank you, sir. And we'll do it for four Thank minutes. you. You know, there is no more important issue than the final issue that we're going to talk about tonight, and that is the issue of the election but, but itself. Susan, he attacked my record. I would like an opportunity okay. to respond. Let me give you 30 seconds because, we, we, because we're running out of time. I appreciate that. First of all, having served as the Attorney General of the State of California, the work that I did is a model of what our nation needs to do, and we will be able to do under a Joe Biden presidency. Our, our agenda includes what this administration has failed to do. It will be about not only instituting a ban on chokeholds and carotid holes. Thank you. Not only, uh, thank you, Senator I Harris. would like to go through. These are points that you made earlier in the hour, and I want to talk about the election itself before we have to. But I want to talk about the connection between what Joe and I will do and my record, which includes I was the first statewide officer to institute a requirement that my agents would wear body cameras and keep them on full time. We were the first to initiate a, a requirement that there would be a training for law enforcement on implicit bias because, yes, Joe Biden and I recognize that implicit bias does exist, Mr. Vice President, contrary to what you may believe. We did the work of instituting reforms that were about investing in reentry. This is the work that we have done and the work we will do going forward. And again, I will not be lectured by the Vice President on our record of what we have done in terms of law enforcement and keeping our communities safe and a commitment to reforming the criminal justice system of America. Thank you, Senator Harris. And I'd like to pose the first, I'd like you to respond first to the question on our final topic, the election itself. President Trump has several times refused to commit himself to a peaceful transfer of power after the election. If your ticket wins and President Trump refuses to accept a peaceful transfer of power, what steps would you and Vice President it. Biden Kanye take? West. What That's would happen big. next? You have two minutes. So I'll tell you, um, Joe and I are, I think, particularly um, proud of the coalition that we've built around our campaign. We probably have one of the broadest coalitions of folks that you've ever seen in a presidential race. Of course, we have the support of Democrats, but also independents and Republicans. In fact, 
Um, seven members of uh, President George W. Bush's cabinet are supporting our ticket. Uh, we have the support of, of Colin Powell, Cindy McCain, John Kasich, um, over 500 uh, generals, retired generals and, and former national security experts and advisors are supporting our campaign. And I believe they are doing that because they know that Joe Biden has a deep, deep-seated commitment to fight for our democracy and to fight for the integrity of our democracy and to bring integrity back to the White House. And so we believe in the American people. We believe in our democracy. And here's what I'd like to say to everybody. Vote. Please vote. Vote early. Come up with a plan to vote. Go to IWillVote.com. You can also go to, to JoeBiden.com. We have it within our power in these next 27 days to make the decision about what will be the course of our country for the next four years. And it is within our power, and if we use our vote and we use our voice, we will win. And we will not let anyone subvert our democracy with what Donald Trump has been doing, as he did on the debate stage last week, when again in front of 70 million people, he openly attempted to suppress the vote. Joe Biden, on the other hand, on that same debate stage, because clearly Donald Trump doesn't think he can run on a record because it's a failed record, Joe Biden on that stage said, hey, just please vote. So I'll repeat what Joe said. Please vote. Thank you, Senator. Vice President Pence, President Trump has several times refused to commit himself to a peaceful transfer of power after the election. If Vice President Biden is declared the winner and President Trump refuses to accept a peaceful transfer of power, what would be your role and responsibility as vice president? What would you personally do? You have two minutes. Remember this. It'll be important later. We're going to win this election. Because while uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris rattle off a long litany of the establishment of Washington, D.C., an establishment that Joe Biden's been a part of for 47 years, President Donald Trump has, has launched a movement of everyday Americans from every walk of life. And... Uh, I have every confidence that those, those same Americans that delivered that historic victory in 2016, they see this president's record where we rebuild our military. We revived our economy through tax cuts and rolling back regulation, fighting for fair trade, unleashing American energy. We appointed conservatives to our federal courts at every level. And, and we stood with the men and women of law enforcement every single day. And I think, I think that movement of Americans has only grown stronger in the last four years. When you talk about accepting the outcome of the election, um, I must tell you, Senator, your party has spent the last three and a half years trying to overturn the results of the last election. And it's amazing. When Joe Biden was vice president of the United States, the FBI actually spied on President Not Trump. Not true. I mean, there were documents released this week that the CIA actually made a referral uh, to the FBI documenting that those allegations were coming from the Hillary Clinton campaign. And, of course, we've all seen the avalanche, the, what, what you put the country through for, for the better part of, of three years until it was found that there was no obstruction, no collusion, case closed. And then, Senator Harris, you and your colleagues in the, in the Congress tried to impeach the president of the United States over a phone call. And now Hillary Clinton has actually said to Joe Biden that under, in her words, under no circumstances should he concede the election. So let me just say, I think we're going to win this election. 
President Trump and I are fighting every day in courthouses to prevent Joe Biden and Kamala Harris from changing the rules and creating this universal mail-in voting. Folks, we're down 16 percent, but it's all good. Woo! We have a free and fair election. Uh, we know we're going to have confidence in it. And I believe in all my heart that President Donald Trump's going to be reelected for four more years. You know, I've, uh, I've asked, I've written all the questions that I've asked tonight, but for the final question of the debate, I'd like to um, write a, uh, read a question that someone else wrote. The Utah Debate Commission asked students in the state to write essays about what they would like to ask you. And I want to close tonight's debate with the question posed by Brecklin Brown. She's an eighth grader at Springville Junior High in Springville, Utah. And here's what she wrote, quote, when I watch the news, all I see is arguing between Democrats and Republicans. When I watch the news, all I see is citizen fighting against citizen. When I watch the news, all I see are two candidates from opposing parties trying to tear each other down. If our leaders can't get along, how are the citizens supposed to get along? And then she added, your examples could make all the difference to bring us together, end quote. So to each of you in turn, I'd like you to take one minute and respond to Brecklin. Vice President this communist ask this question. Brecklin, it's a wonderful question. And um, let me just commend you for taking an interest in, in public life. I, I started uh, following the news when I was very young. And in America... Where is Mike Pence's upper lip? We live in a free and open exchange of debate. Uh, and we celebrate that. And it's how we've created literally the freest and most prosperous nation in the history of the world. But I, 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 I would tell you that um, don't assume that what you're seeing on your local news networks is synonymous with the American people. You know, I look at the relationship between Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the late justice who we just lost from the Supreme Court, and the late Justice Antonin Scalia. They were on polar opposites on the Supreme Court of the United States, one very liberal, one very conservative. But what's been learned since her passing was the two of them and their families were the very closest of friends. I mean, here in America, we can disagree. We can debate vigorously, as Senator Harris and I have on this stage tonight. But when the debate is over, we come together as Americans. And that's what Pence people do in big cities a crush on Kamala. all across this country. So I just want to encourage you, Brecklin. I, I want to tell you that um, we're, we're going to work every 200, day. 200,000 people. people. The American people each and every day love a good debate. We love a good argument. But we always come together and are always there for one another. Thank you. In times friend. of need. And we've especially learned that. George Floyd's life is up for debate. Of this year. Senator Harris, what would you say to Brecklin? Um, first of all, I, I'm, I love hearing from our young leaders. And when I hear her words, when I hear your words, Brecklin, um, I know our future is bright because it is that perspective on who we are and who we should be um, that is a sign of leadership and is something we should all aspire to be. Um, and that, you know, that brings me to Joe. Joe Biden, one of the reasons that Joe decided to run for president is after Charlottesville, which we talked about earlier. Um, it so troubled him and upset him like it did all of us that there was that kind of hate and division. Um, what propelled Joe to run for president was to see that over the course of the last four years, what Brecklin described has been happening. Joe has a long-standing reputation of working across the aisle. 
and working in a bipartisan way. Uh, and that's what he's going to do as president. Joe Biden has a history of lifting people up and fighting for their dignity. I mean, you have to know Joe's story to know that Joe has known pain, he has known suffering, and he has known love. And so, Brecklin, when you think about the future, I do believe the future is bright. And it will be because of your leadership, and it will be because we fight for each person's voice through their vote, and we get engaged in this election because you have the ability through your work and through eventually your vote Thank you, to Senator determine Chris. the future of our country and what its leadership looks like. Thank you, Senator Harris. Thank you, Vice President Pence. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Well, we can't get along. We want to thank Sorry. also the University of Utah for its hospitality, and most of all, our thanks to all the Americans who watched this debate tonight. Again, our best wishes for a quick Big Mormon. to President Trump, the First Lady, and everyone who is battling COVID-19. The second presidential debate is next week, on October 15th, a town hall-style debate in Miami. We hope you'll join us then. Good evening. Folks, that is the end of the designated survivor presidential, vice presidential debate. Um, Resuming power report coverage here with BAM and C's. Make sure to unmute yourselves, unmute themselves. We're going to do a little bit of a post-debate coverage on this. Um, so yeah, that was a pretty, it was much less uh, infighting than there was from the first one. It was a big snore, as uh, BAM, you're alluding to right now. Um, there are the husband and wives of Mike Pence and Kamala Harris there talking as we're wrapping this up right now. Um, no, it was really interesting. It was a much less infighting and much less like back and forth fighting as it was with the first, uh, the dementia fund as we recovered there. Um, not a lot of fighting back and forth, but you did definitely get a series of, um, a little bit of interruption here and there, but <laughs> <laughs> overall, I would say it was the most refreshingly, not, I mean, I'm not gonna say refreshing because I hate every single aspect of this um, election cycle, but it was a very normal kind of debate. Like it almost felt like it was 2012 again. Like it was two people arguing things in a very debate style kind of format. I mean, Mike Pence was outright lying while Kamala Harris was trying to pretend that she both wasn't as left leaning as she really is while also claiming to be more harder right than the Democratic Party even wants her to be, specifically saying that she's going to, um, that Joe Biden won't remove fracking, continually saying that the Green New Deal is ridiculous, kind of conceding to Mike Pence's talking points. And then Mike Pence has that ability to kind of um, really package Trump's mania and hysteria in a way that sounds like regular politician speak. So it's really easy to kind of um, look over that I think in a way. So it's really insidious. You can hear Mike Pence, you almost hear like a reasonable politician or a reasonable person. Whereas um, when you listen to Donald Trump say literally the exact same things and make the exact same kind of lies, it is um, like pretty kind of clear and apparent that he is being a psychopath. But um, those are my initial thoughts. Those are my initial kind of reactions. Um, 
gonna be talking a little bit about this just to wrap things up and we'll be uh responding to some chats in twitch and youtube so it should be fun but um bam what are you thinking as we just kind of are wrapping this up here yeah it wasn't really that much going on um i enjoyed kamala's uh, side eye and smirks <laughs> um yeah, you're not going to get very many surprises from Pence. He's just like Donald Trump puppet. Um, I feel like he said better stuff when he debated last time, uh, when it was like him and Tim Kaine. Um, Word? Uh, yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think. of There, there wasn't much that stood out for me. Like, no, yeah. Caesar, what about you? Um, I mean, I think that you kind of summarize it best. It's all Pence really does is he just serves as a live human retweet machine for Donald Trump. And the thing is, is I don't even know how many points that Pence makes are actually his. It just seems like he echoes things in a calmer fashion that the Trump administration kind of adheres to. But just the only difference, I think, in this debate, it's like, it's like, 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 I think it's really funny. I think when if I'm reacting how I think people feel, I think that what comes to Kamala, Kamala, it's like I think everybody was like, okay, that's enough. When you just started deep diving into her DA work and how how Adam how she was big implementing on body camps on officers, like okay, okay, yeah, yeah, all right, cool. You you get a high five for that. We love that. Thank you so much. But um, <laughs> when it came to Pence, it's like okay, man, but like. You don't get to really question her. What were you doing this whole time? <laughs> like she actually was like working in the government, like for real, for real. Like you were a governor of Indiana, but like, what have you really been doing though? So I thought she won a lot in, in terms of like her responses were directly to the people. Um, she was actually answering questions when questions were answered. And Pence was, you know, kind of, I think he was even slower than the last debate. It almost seemed like, like it took him forever to get to these points because he was like thinking about them as he was responding and then or he was deflecting off the answer. So at the very end, it looks like he's getting cut off rather than him getting to actually answer the question. Like, oh, let me just talk about this last one and spend the last 30 seconds actually answering it. Oh, no, I got cut off. Let me talk over. Like, it seemed like that was kind of his counter strategy the whole time to the debate. So it was like you said, it seemed like a very traditional style of debate. Like they both had their own strategies and that's the one he took and she had her own as well, too. No, yeah, for real. Like, it, feel, it felt like that entire time Mike Pence, um, anytime he was trying to answer a question, would always go like, no, no, I have to respond to that thing that was said one or two or three sentences ago. And it's a tactic that you can play because it's three people talking. It's Mike Pence, Kamala Harris, and the debate moderator. I'm sorry, I forgot her name, but I know she's from USA Today. But um, you, you have those three. And so if Mike Pence tries to act like, oh, I'm not getting the appropriate amount of time to answer my questions, which is, you know, happens in debates. It's always that little wiggle room that happens. But um, in this case, for sure, it is definitely, it definitely felt like Mike Pence was doing the thing Joe Biden used to do during the Democratic primaries, where he would like almost uh, simp for the time clock. As far as like what things would go, he would try to like work around that clock itself. And he would be like, oh no, I think I've run out of time, so I can't do anything else right here. Oh no, I, I actually... I didn't get enough time to talk right here, so I'm going to take that time right now. It's, yeah, I don't know 
in these debates, you just don't want to look like you're playing defense too much. And I think Mike Pence looked like he was playing a lot of defense. But to be fair, maybe just because my standards have been lowered so much by watching Donald Trump just completely flail through these debates. But even on the defense, Mike Pence was able to kind of hold his own. Like if you didn't understand that he was talking complete bullshit the whole time, it was almost agreeable. Yeah, I think with Mike Pence, like the difference between him and Trump is like Mike Pence is just a staunch conservative and he has like those ideals and he's not wiggling or trying to pretend to be kind of left or whatever or pretend to be this and that. And Trump is trying to play to every single thing he can. So there's like a bit of a difference there. But that also makes Mike Pence very boring. Mm hmm. And and I agree with Bam. I think that the biggest thing for me is it, to to play to give Pence some credit. The best thing he did is never change his tone. That was the best thing he did the whole debate because mm. to me it seemed like Kamala was like I like almost like wishing that he would take the approach that Trump did. Like oh I would love this to go like that way because she's really good at like actually answering like stating like talking to the camera and like uh making the faces the side eyes bam bam kind of was mentioning and it looked like it was like oh like i wish he would kind of like blow up like trump did and he didn't he stayed monotone and that's kind of his biggest win is that okay like she may go up a little bit in level because she's passionate about certain things but i'm just gonna stay very very neutral on this and very even keeled whether it's addressing trump's comments about um mccain or talking about um iraq uh iran four questions later or talking about abortion i'm gonna stay at this tone regardless of where we're at no yeah it was a much kind of Again, there's so many contrasts between Donald Trump and Joe Biden debating, which is dementia thon. It's kind of a mess. They're yelling over each other versus both Kamala and Harris and um, Mike Pence have to take the stance of being the cool, calm and collected kind of angle um, to the madness that is happening kind of above the ticket for both of them. But, yeah, I think it's kind of ridiculous. Um, it's, it's a little bit weird to kind of see them both in these positions, considering how much you know they truly like real like where they really stand like it's it's funny because we all know that the um stuff happening with the supreme court like the democrats don't want to show their hand here it's very clear that you know um court packing is something that they want to at least leave up to possibility at least leave up to being an option because i mean kamala harris was kind of leading into it the conservatives are going to read that as a dodge but kamala harris was saying that look the Republicans have used the um, power that they have to stack the judicial system in their favor over the past four years. Um, Trump is not just a new thing for that, this is kind of what they've been doing. So if we're opening up the debate to acting within the rules that exist to expand the judiciary in your favor, I mean, court packing is a loophole that exists and no one's wanted to touch it because you can do it if you want to. But it is smart for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to at least like hold their cards to their chest on this, because it would, if it were confirmed, even though Republicans already know this, it would, if it were confirmed, it would send the conservatives into a tizzy and it might actually cause them to win back a couple of votes they might be close to getting. Yeah, like I think FDR threatened uh, to expand the court at one time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a good political strategy. And I think part of them part of them doing that is maybe trying to see like hey like we're leaving this on the table so you guys might not try to go forward with this uh whatever the 
coronavirus spreader lady uh, confirmation. Word. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at chats right now. Mostly people are agreeing with me. So we love to see that. But um, no, no, generally the consensus is that the debate was pretty chill is what I'm seeing. So um, that that seems to be kind of from there. Um, Apparently the fry, oh, sorry, the the fly that um, was the favorite uh, fourth member of the debate panel was there really quickly, but left near the end. So there was that. Uh, Serge says the fly was more entertaining than Pence's answers, and I hella agree to that. I think we can all agree that the fly um, was the needed uh, shot of adrenaline. It was the steroid to Donald Trump's lung that we really need to continue watching that debate. And and even like saying with Pence, like he's just like a staunch conservative, uh, Kamala Harris is a staunch centrist. Like we kind of know what we're getting with her just like we know with what we're getting with Pence. Like I have no illusions. Like she's going to be like coming out on this like progressive. Oh, oh, what was the thing that uh, uh, Pence was saying about her? Like she, some study said she's the most liberal of the Senate. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a Newsweek thing. And sometimes these like polls come out and I remember this is kind of being used in the primary. In fact, I think maybe some Kamala surrogates were using this in Kamala's favor, but they were saying, yeah, based on voting record, Kamala Harris is actually more liberal than Bernie Sanders, which like, if you have anything beyond the elementary understanding and reading of politics, you're going to start laughing out loud just to be even thought that Kamala Harris is like anywhere to the left of Bernie Sanders. It's completely ridiculous. We had a whole primary about that. It's not a laughable thing, but it's one of those like talking point statements that fits if you're like not very politically apt or very politically in tune with things, which of course is Mike Pence's audience. If you're going to even be believing what Mike Pence says, they're going to be open up to it to begin with. Um, No, but Kamala Harris, that's the odd thing that we have here when um, we as like people on the left are talking about the Kamala Harris sort of like political project. It's that truthfully, she is not far to the left. Uh, in some ways, like, you know, she might be movable, she might be convincible, but the things that have really excited the left over the past um, year in 2020, especially, um, a sharpening of our foreign policy that is completely out of control. Kamala Harris seems to be more the center of that, continuing our foreign policy kind of like empire that we have. Uh, going back to the trade regime of the Obama administration, which, I mean, you'll say what you want about the Trump administration, but the people in the middle of the country like the trade regime under the Trump administration to at least some extent because of the protectionism it's providing for their industries that don't need to be protected, but that's a different economic sort of like matter. Um, the the main thing I think is clear is because there's a lot of jargon in that is just the climate change issue because Kamala Harris in that debate very clearly was also stating that she's not looking to rock the boat. Joe Biden's not going to get rid of fracking, even though fracking is a very bad thing that we should be getting rid of. And uh, Kamala Harris is not for the green new deal. She's for Joe Biden's um, green thing, which is still involves, I two trillion dollars in spending which is a lot to conservatives who pretend to care about the deficit but don't when trump is giving tax cuts to the rich that allows for stock buybacks but there's still a small amount of money that two trillion dollars joe biden is talking about compared to the real need climate change has i think the real good thing about this debate sorry to wrap up but it's just a lot in my head specifically about the climate change thing because um we usually don't have debates where they talk about climate change that much. So it's good they're having it. But the main sort of idea around this is that um, Pence and the GOP are trying to create this sort of precedent 
that the Green New Deal is bad. And honestly, all the architects of the Green New Deal from like Alexandra Rojas um, from Justice Democrats to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez herself wanted this exact fight to happen. They wanted this fight of saying, oh, so are you going to now say that the Green New Deal is bad? Okay, you've done a lot of stuff with the Green, but let's talk about where the like design of this policy comes from. This comes from the New Deal, a policy that was so popular that the president who put it in place was reelected four times. Dude was dying. He was about to die in office and the Americans still reelected him. They had to put in term limits because of this man, because the New Deal was so damn popular. I mean, yes, you had World War II and all these other conflating factors. And the New Deal was not the perfect thing. There are a lot of gaps in it. There are a lot of racist like issues in it. There are a lot of things that didn't do very well. But the fact of the matter is the Green Deal is, I mean, sorry, the New Deal um, that was passed in the 30s and 40s and all the different programs that came from that is the center for a lot of the um, U.S. government project that exists today. The idea that we have a social safety net, the idea that we have government programs that also tend to employ people of color, um, the idea that we have this infrastructure for government that's supposed to do things. It exists It exists as an anathema to the entire Republican project, that you need less government, that you need to cut all these things. So this is the fight, this is the existential fight that I think um, broadly speaking, the left and the right can have here over what is the role of government and does more government help? Um, and I think it's a nuanced argument because I think it depends on who is in the power of government, who's controlling the levers of power, um, as a, where that makes a difference. But um, I just think that if my overall sort of summary of this is that this is the argument, like this is the chess position that the people who crafted the Green New Deal wanted to be in. They wanted to have a fight over whether the idea of a New Deal is good and popular among like the general sort of like public and voting class. Um, but it seems like because of the way Kamala Harris is positioned as a centrist, she's not going to have these debates um, very open and very in the public as much as um, maybe see Bernie Sanders would or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez would, because there's still this belief that the Green New Deal is too radical and too crazy. Well, I, I'm just going to say this really quick so you can go ahead. Like, I don't even think that that space is the, the place to be even debating the Green New Deal. Like, all Pence is going to say is $2 trillion, and they're getting rid of all the good jobs. Like, that's all he's going to say. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be that aspect to it, and that's the defense to it. But, I mean, you, Kamala Harris comes from California, where the fires have ravaged the state. And so, yeah, that's a deeply blue state. You're not going to win any people over. But the thing about climate change is, yeah, on the one hand, to your point, Bam, immediately rhetorically, it's going to be a difficult argument to make. But climate change is hitting red states. It's going to continue hitting red states. And this sort of, the Republicans have even had to bend from climate changes, some Al Gore created hoax to, yeah, of course, there's some man-made climate change that's real. That's why I said it was your favorite question, Bam, because Republicans are showing in these debates, they are at least willing to concede to that point. But it's the smallest amount of concession, because when it comes to like, okay, well, what are you going to do with it? It's like talking to Democrats in 2006. They'll admit that climate change is happening and that's caused by man, but their solutions are um, tax credits and um, cap and trade and things like that. Like the, the Republicans have successfully um, moving the cart of politics again because the Democrats, the idea of the far left position or what's being painted as a far left position is actually the center right position. So that's why I think the losing is happening. 
Hey guys, um, y'all went off. Um, geez, I uh, I think for me one of the big telling points was I think the well, just in general. I mean, there's it, it's really funny that the Trump administration does does an excellent job of trying to tell everybody what they've done that's amazing. Yet there's not really a lot of factual evidence supporting some of the stuff they claim. Like, oh, you gave us this broken economy and we fixed it, and, and then like all these wild accusations to throw out and. And this and everything's better than ever. Yet everybody's everybody that's even worked in all sectors of the field from the tariffs that he placed and 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 I thought that one of the fa my favorite questions was what is the President Trump's stance with China? Is it an enemy? Is it um? Is are they are they friends? Are are we rivals? What is it? I mean, Pence couldn't even answer the question. I mean, Pence's best answer to that was basically saying that, oh well, you know. We're kind of we're blaming them for coronavirus, and we found out in February. Your own campaign has been inconsistent from the beginning of letting Americans know when you found out about coronavirus from coronavirus legitimacy. And I've said this fifteen times from from the I've said this even on a damn soccer podcast. You were the people saying that this the the coronavirus is a democratic hoax. Your own administration was saying that this is a democratic hoax, and here's your leader. Who's gasping for air outside? I thought this was a democratic hoax, homie. So you have inconsistencies in your own administration. The simple fact you want the American people, which 200K are six feet under because of now, you 200K of them, you want them to back you, back you on your own inconsistencies that you don't address. You don't, you, they, they, they don't, they pretend these things never happen. Instead of addressing answers, they convolute them, regurgitate them, and give you something else, or go back onto an attacking point. And I think it's evident to see that I think the Trump Biden debate was more obvious and more kind of an aggressive viewpoint of everybody kind of seeing what we saw. Okay, four years ago, this approach was like understandable. Like, Everybody was frustrated, I guess, and okay, here comes this loud screaming uh, reality show debt in, in debt uh, business guy. Ooh, this ought to be fun. To now, it's it's we. You had four years. What did you really do, though? Like, what did you really do? And I think screaming at people and then Pence coming in talking monotone the same points. It just doesn't resonate the same as it did for a nation that was frustrated for different reasons four years ago. The frustrations now are. A majority of the result of your own administration. So I think their approach, at least Trump's approach, was really bad. And Pence's didn't really like uh, absolve that. I think Pence's approach really kind of just gave us like, I mean, you're just like a, a talking point. And even sometimes with Kamala, I even felt the same way about Kamala. Like, you know, you of course I know you're vice president. You're referencing referencing a lot of things, but I I don't really like like oh I I think Biden agrees with me. I think I stand for Joe Biden or me and Joe Biden. This like. Okay, but like on the real, you were a DA in California for a long time. Like we know you. <laughs> like we know you and you and Joe Biden have had completely different careers. Joe Biden was chilling at the crib. You were working as a DA. So we, we know what you stand for. But like Dan said, you can tell that she can be persuaded on some things more. But she's pretty hardline centrist on a lot of things, dude. <laughs> this is Officer Kamala. I mean, that's the point that we've been making. Like I've been making as a joke, but like we're serious about this. Is that like... This is not some type of leftist, like, sort of the same kind of thing they're going to try to, everyone on the right is going to try to paint every person on the left as Bernie Sanders or further left. And just as, I mean, if you want to have that fight, you should easily be able to say, okay, well, if 
um, Kamala Harris is now all of a sudden Bernie Sanders, then how come you get all uncomfortable and push back when we say that Donald Trump is very similar to the right extremism part of his party, especially when he's telling groups that are part of that right extreme to stand back and stand by in the previous debate. Although Mike Pence somehow fixed his mouth into saying that Donald Trump, um, his words are being misconstrued when he's talking about um, white nationalist violence. So that was one of the more ridiculous parts of the entire debate to me. It, it's always baffling to me that someone can literally give you direct quotes of what he says and his rebuttal is words being misconstrued. You don't you don't, you don't misunderstand a direct quote. <laughs> literally, he on stage was dogging McCain. He literally talked about losers in the army. There's people in the military who are very upset with him. It's a real thing. And his counterpoint is my son is in and this and this is in so and they like you a lot. Once once again, buddy, you're 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 coming at this from a perspective that it's your life, but we're talking about the American people. Like, this is what we've seen. You you can't come at Kamala Harris for saying, oh, she doesn't answer those questions. You were dodging ant questions the whole debate. It was just really funny that the last person on earth to ever try to question her about answering questions was you. <laughs> like you were dipping and dodging the whole the whole debate course. Um, I'm gonna answer a chat question from YouTube. RC says Considering the president currently has the virus eight months into the global pandemic and Mike Pence is in charge of virus response, did he actually lose as much as he should have? I mean, yeah, that's a good point. We didn't really mention or like it wasn't even mentioned by the moderator too much that Mike Pence was put in charge of coronavirus relief. And it looks like the boss upstairs has caught the bug. So um, it, it's I, I don't know. Did Pence fumble that? Did Pence take responsibility for that? The larger point that I think could have been more um, emphasized in this debate that maybe the moderator didn't do out of politeness was the fact that both of these two are a heartbeat away from the presidency. And that heartbeat is very serious. Like we're not just, this isn't the, um, oh no, we got to look at um, Joe Biden as vice president to Barack Obama versus, um, Tim, oh, sorry, uh, what was it? Paul Ryan as vice president to Mitt Romney. Like this is the ultimate of the uh, sideliner debates. No, this is like real talk here. Like um, Joe Biden is not a said and done thing as far as the next four years go. And Donald Trump is not a said and done thing as far as the next four months go. So Mike Pence and Kamala Harris's uh, abilities as leaders, um, I think should have been a little bit more on the forefront there than even we saw. I think Kamala Harris made a decent kind of um, stance for herself, um, mentioning her record as attorney general, mentioning her record as a senator, kind of, but mostly on the Judiciary Committee. But I didn't see a lot more. Um, and this is kind of my overall point as far as like my analysis of the debate, as far as who won, who lost is, is I don't think Kamala Harris moved the needle on convincing me in either direction that she's more or less capable of being um, the president. I think she's like capable of being the president the same way that Barack Obama is capable of being the president, as in like you don't know shit about what you're about to do, but you can be taught because no one else really does. And you'd have a hard enough time doing worse than Donald Trump. So I definitely will at least grant you that. But um, I don't think this 
this debate was good in the sense that Mike Pence didn't really lose any ground, and maybe there's enough in that debate that can be spun in Kamala Harris's. I mean, it's going to be can be spun in Mike Pence's favor, honestly, because some of those responses Kamala Harris did could have looked and could have been perceived as dodgy. That's totally fair, but to Kamala Harris's credit, like, um, it, it's just the thing that in the sport of debate, in this like, um pathetic attempt at a system that we still try to convince ourselves that we had Kamala Harris and Mike Pence are both very very strong debaters and they're good at the sport of debate but as far as voting and understanding what voting is I didn't learn anything different about either of those candidates than I already knew that Mike Pence is just going to run uh, defense for some of the worst ghouls in the conservative party as they continue to try to amass power on the backs of white ring extremists and Kamala Harris is like, not that slightly. <laughs> like, I have no problems with the cops who are ingratiated with the white nationalists. I have no problems with the um, overall economic system that allows the conservatives to continue getting in power. And I am at least going to be very coy about my plans to potentially um, act against the system and bring some semblance of balance to the three branches of government. But I'm not the wild Trump person. So, I mean, at least there's that like sort of bare minimum thing going on there. Um, are there any sort of last thoughts y'all have? I apologize for wanting to do this. I'm sorry. Dan was... Yeah, fuck you. Yeah. I so did not want to do this. This is your fault, Bam. Yeah, I apologize. Dan was kind of against it. Um, the last thing I'll say is that I'm really glad they, that um, Biden and them did not pick uh, Amy Klobuchar. <laughs> 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 yes, of course. That would have been that would have been pretty rough. Let's, let's, I, I can at least be happy with that. Kamala Harris is at least m more entertaining to watch this debate. I couldn't have imagined a debate that was worse than this. Pete Buttigieg would have gotten rolled. Amy Klobuchar would have gotten rolled. Uh, Beto O'Rourke, Beto, yo soy Beto. No, that wouldn't have been good, dog. I would not have wanted to watch that. That would not have been fun for anyone involved. I think uh, so, yeah. I think I think it was really funny that um, there was some nerve of of uh, Pence to bring up Dr. Fauci. I'm like, you're funny, dude. <laughs> I, I I like I I I thought that I thought you guys weren't really riding with him anymore. I, all of a sudden, you're gonna start direct quoting him. Interesting, because like he literally had a day ago co quotes d uh, complete on the opposite of Trump what he talked about. So uh, you got to start double checking your sources before you come in in his debate. But like Dan said, it it wasn't like. The, the, I think I think Harris didn't win as much as she could because I think there was two capital opportunities two opportunities she could have capitalized if her strategy was to seize today. If her strategy was to seize today, it would have been doing a little bit better job of like attack uh, addressing some of those things. Like when he said Dr. Fossey, I was like, "What? You're gonna quote him?" And then the second one for me, it's like you know when when they talked about you know Donald Trump's condition. Um, she never really mentioned that, you know, Joe Biden's campaign and them did send out like their best wishes and Paul's like uh, um, campaign advertising during the time during the during the, the, the 13 hours, I guess, Trump had coronavirus. Like there was no admission to like, hey, like at least like we respected you enough as a human being at that point. You know, that could have won, I guess, some points in terms of humanity if that still exists in this country. I don't know yet. But um, uh, yeah, I like 
it didn't really like feel like either one was. It, it was like what I came in, what I ex- what what I expected really just came to fruition. I thought Kamala would say some things that I like, and other things where I'm just rolling my eyes. And then Pence, I was just gonna roll my eyes the whole damn time. So like that's really how I felt it was gonna be, and it went that way. And the only highlight was the fly. <laughs> <laughs> fly to fly, absolutely. Um, bam. Any last words? You're usually full of words, so I'll give you that. Nah, I'm done. Complete. Done. Well, um, never a VP debate again. (laughs) I mean, I actually hope America at least has one or two more VP debates left in her. Um, just more broadly for the whole project, the way that goes, but no more this, this election cycle for sure. That's more than I've heard Mike Pence speak for about, um, I guess four years. And that's more than I ever need to hear ever again. Um, Thank you all those um, watching who are viewing at home for viewing this Power Report episode and listening to this Power Report episode, whether it was live or whether you're listening to the podcast recording, which miraculously we're able to do. Very much appreciate it. Thank you for watching it with these folks here. Um, hopefully during the next debate, we can get Sean on to do one of these so we can have the four, the fabulous four doing it together. Bam, you can find Bam Free Discussion Society on Instagram where they are doing free discussion society um editions of things. Bam, okay, let me get you um up full screen. There we go. We can see your I voted register to vote thing. Remember the vote the general election is on November third. Check your check your um local uh sort of jurisdictions as far as the when exactly you are supposed to vote. Um just to make sure about those things. Bam, oh, sorry, Caesar can be found on, where would you like to be found? Um, on in, Instagram, me, Brazil Seas. You can find me on Brazil Seas on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Brazil Seas, and of course, uh, We Made It Podcast does have a Twitter again. We're back from the from the trenches. We Made It Podcast um, uh, on Twitter, and of course, please go vote. Put a mask on and go vote. Like, put a mask on. And go vote. If you're uncomfortable with the with the the mailing, just take your mailing ballot and drop it up over there at the po- at at your polling booth. Please, please go vote. Please. Yes, and I will announce this more clearly. But um, I'm going to be doing like a little live stream voter guide thing like this tomorrow, actually, where I'm going to just be sitting here. I'm going to fill out my ballot. I'm going to walk through the thought process of me filling out my ballot so people can understand how I think about voting and learn that for yourself. And of course, like take questions as to your own things. And um, I'll even research stuff that you viewers are looking at and um, that are in your particular area that isn't for me. So I'll look into that and we can learn together. So that'll be cool. That's coming. That'll be more of a Dan from the internet thing, but I'll have some stuff on Power Report to talk about that or in the middle. There's also a new Power Report episode coming this Sunday about how to fight fascism. Um, You should really be enjoying that episode. It should be really good. And um, you can find me and my co-host Sean on Audio Face at Audio Face Podcast. We have a lot of special episodes coming up with a bunch of um, new musicians, classic musicians. A lot of that stuff is happening. And before we go, we do have a cast. Uh, uh, you ain't getting your boy on the fascism joint? Okay. Oh, no. I mean, like, that was a pre-recorded interview that apparently Bam does not as too busy of a schedule to do the pre-recorded interviews, but Ooh. maybe next time. Maybe next time. Okay. I'm just joking. All right, yo. Love you guys. Thank you all for watching. We'll see you next time Power Report is on. Uh, stay Please. safe. Wear a mask. Vote, motherfuckers. Bye. <laughs>